0: Hello and welcome to the Hey Mama podcast. Supporting women to make empowering, soul centered and heart driven decisions in motherhood. Going back to basics, changing
1: our stories and trusting ourselves. I'm Emily. And I'm Annabelle.
0: Hey Hey Mama. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us on our birth story series. Today we have Kina, who is a pregnancy, postpartum and family chiropractor, birth doula, hypnobirther and mother to two beautiful girls. Kina birthed both her daughters in wildly different ways, from a planned first-time water birth that turned into a 36-hour epidural hospital birth to then a natural six-hour intervention-free home birth with her second. Although completely different, she utilised hypnobirthing, optimal maternal positioning techniques, and an array of other tools. Both her births were incredibly empowering and deeply heartwarming. The experiences and lessons she learned through her first birth led her to dedicate her career to helping all women achieve extraordinary birthing experiences and supporting their transition to motherhood. Wow. So incredible. Wow. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to hear this. I think these stories are really powerful, you know, when we've had a first birth and – it's you know although it might have been positive we we still learned a lot of lessons from it and there was it's not to say there was anything wrong with it or anything bad about it but I think sharing these stories are really powerful and I was just saying to you guys before we jumped on that that's what the sisterhood of motherhood should be about you know learning from each other and sharing our own lessons and
2: yeah for sure love it Um, thanks so much for having me on I'm so excited to just talk birth with you guys. I think it's something that um, you got to yes. find the right crowd to have this conversation and um, and reflect <laughs> back on these stories. Um, yeah, I love that idea of the sisterhood of motherhood. I think you guys are doing an amazing job bringing all these stories together. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Would you like well, me to uh, to debrief? So <laughs> Yes. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Begin wherever wherever your story feels. Like um, it, Yeah, it, sure. So, um this story starts probably about oh, how old is she now? About three and a half years ago now. Um, and at this point I'd probably been I guess, a, a little less into the pregnancy world than I am into now. Um, obviously, lots of lessons have been learnt from from that point until now. Um, but we kind of felt pretty prepared. You know, we had an idea of what we wanted. We were at the family birth centre or planning to be there. Um, we had planned for a a water birth um, and we had planned to be as intervention-free as possible. Um this kind of started I guess from just being around a lot of pregnant stories and I guess as you guys would would know in you know just in in public or in um, I guess the general population the conversations around birth um, can be a little bit negative um, and can be can sound a little bit traumatic so after hearing a lot of that just around clients I was so sure that it wasn't supposed to be that way um so we were determined to i guess have a different experience um so you know we we did all we thought we could do we, we did hypnobirthing um i did a little bit of spinning babies but you know i just kind of touched on it um but i guess the main thing for us was the hypnobirthing and obviously being well adjusted and um you know doing pregnancy yoga doing all those sorts of things so we felt pretty prepared um and I guess I ended up being, I don't like to say late, but I ended up being a couple of days over my due date, um, which was, you know, on time for her. Um, and two days prior to her arriving is when I lost my mucus plug and that's when um, the surges sort of started happening. Um, I ended up being in that space for about a a day, I think, um, where surges were coming and going. They weren't really regular, but we were pretty happy at home, um, just just chilling with with my husband, Matt, and our dog. And um, I, I have this kind of shameful obsession with Top Gear, so I was watching Top Gear in the dark, mm-hmm. <laughs> conducive to childbirth, <laughs> um, and we were just doing all the things that we loved at home. And it was awesome. Um, my best friend, Andrea, came over. Um, who's also a chiropractor as well, so, um, as, and my husband is, is as well. So they were, had all hands on me, which was amazing. Um, and, you know, we cooked lunch and we were really happy. And then eventually after about um, a day, we decided it was probably time to go into the family birth centre. Um, now, obviously, when you, you know, transition from home to anywhere, things start to slow down. Um, so when I got there, everything slowed down. Pretty much contractions stopped, um, and I was I was pretty devastated because I felt like um, I kind of felt a little bit on the clock. I guess not that anyone had put that on me, but I, it's kind of my personality. I don't like to keep people waiting, um, even if I'm having a baby. <laughs> Um, so we just, you know, tried to get comfortable. We had an amazing midwife at the family birth center, Kathleen, who just gave us space and time. She kind of just stood back and let us do our thing. Um, and once we got back into that space, we, we started progressing again. So, um, we got in there, we turned off all the lights, we, um, got our oils out and I got into the hypnobirthing space, you know, really, um, really low vocal um, surges, you know, I was very much primal brain, Um, we were very happy. Um, And then it got to a point where I got into the water um, and felt like that was the right thing to do at that point um however again things completely stopped for me at that point too um now looking back in hindsight knowing what I know I feel like I should have done some uh inversions or done something because there were signs that baby probably wasn't in the best position but um you know with the tools that we had we we just kind of soldiered on um so I ended up getting out of the pool and then surges continued to progress pretty slowly. Um, However, I ended up being in a bit of a space where I was on all fours in the bed and I just had this overwhelming urge to push, um, which seems pretty normal. So I ended up having kind of these pushing surges and I felt like it went for a couple of hours. I'm, it's still a little bit of a blur, um, but it felt like it went for a couple of hours. In that time, I sent my husband off to have a nap next door. Um, my midwife was with me the whole time. Um, and a few hours later, you know, I was standing and still pushing and my poor midwife was down the bottom and with the torch waiting for this this magical head to appear um, and still no head. So For the first time, I requested a VE, um, which is a vaginal exam, and I hadn't had any of them leading up to this because I hadn't felt that I needed it. But for some wild reason, I decided that I needed it. Um, And that's when they told me that um, Mika had a little bulge of amniotic fluid that had kind of got itself lodged in my cervix and told my cervix that it was time to push um, so, I'm not quite sure how that happens. I, I haven't really read into it much, um, but that's kind of apparently what has made me want to push so much. So, um, at that point, I'd been in labor for about 24 hours um, and I was cooked, like I was exhausted. Um, and I was also told that I was only six centimeters. Um, now, that languaging is really important. <laughs> to be told that you're kind of only a certain number can be a little bit deflating, Mm -hmm. which is kind of why I didn't really want the VEs, but you know, that was what I'd asked for. And that's information that I got. Um, So at that point I did sort of switch out of my primal brain a little bit and get into a little bit of a panic. I was, I was tired. I was a bit, um, a bit deflated. um, And that's when I asked for the gas. Um, So when I did get the gas, you know, with the gas, when you, when you breathe in, it works really well. And when you breathe out, that's kind of your rest period. But I had timed my hypnobirthing breathing surges to be opposite. So it kind of made me, um, it kind of didn't allow me to utilise my hypnobirthing. And I ended up becoming a bit panicked and a little bit scared, um, which is completely not what we wanted. Um, and the midwives definitely um, noticed this. And said, you know, is it time for us oh. to think about moving upstairs and getting an epidural? Um, because I wasn't having a great time um, and I was no longer the master of my surroundings. So I, I decided that was probably the right thing to do. Um, the My uterus was, was exhausted. They weren't sure if they were to pop this amniotic fluid cap, if things would progress or if they would kind of stay there um, for a while. Um, so I decided to go upstairs and... You know, prior to having Mika, this was probably what I wanted the least. Um, I didn't want to go upstairs. I didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't want an epidural. Um, But at the time, it felt so right. So at the time, I was like, yes, um, I think this is the path for us. We've done our best at this point. And I think in order for us to have a positive experience, this might be what, what we need. Um, so yeah. I kind of let all that go and we and we went upstairs and there was still an element of um I guess disbelief that this is kind of where where we were at. Um but I do remember going into the hospital when the doors opened um and staring back at me was was my friend Caitlin who was a doctor um and she just so happened to be doing some training at King Eddie's and she was like kind of what do you need and I was like I need an epidural and she was like let me do that for you <laughs> and it was almost like a sign for the universe that I was going to be okay um and that you know the person that I trusted you know a lot was going to be there to take care of me so um we ended up getting the epidural and then when that happened it was like it was calm you know like I I just took a breath I um I guess I reflected back on the past 30 hours and um, how much work we we had done, how proud I was of us um, and how nice it was to be at this point where we were still in labour, but we were kind of regrouping and feeling, um, feeling excited again rather than feeling panicked. Um, So at this point, we rested. They they brought a mattress in for Matt to sleep on. Um, they kind of gave us the night to to regroup and progress, um, and then come the next morning. I think it was about ten a.m. The next morning, we decided that it might be time to push soon. Um, so we we definitely were there for a long time. So we end up going through three different rotations of midwives. Um, and, you know, that the continuity of care of your midwife is, is obviously really important. Um, however, we definitely felt that each time we had a new midwife, it was the right person for that time. So the midwife that ended up coming for the actual birth of Mika, she was this amazing, super experienced midwife from the UK um, who loved to tell the staff what she needed them to do at King Eddie's. Um, So she was really great at telling the obstetrician um, that we needed space, that we needed time, you know, what our wants and needs were. Um, And the obstetrician there was really respectful and kind of stayed outside monitoring the numbers. Um, And we ended up birthing Mika on my side because I did end up having an epidural so um, because I'm so little if you haven't obviously haven't seen me um, my legs just completely went dead so I wasn't able to be as upright as I wanted um, but we ended up birthing Mika side lying um, and everything was great. We ended up having a little bit of what's called a vacuum assist um, which is when they just Put that little suction cap on the head once it's already come out, just to prevent it from going back in. Um, And then they do a bit of a gentle traction to to get her out. Um, So she was born pretty quickly, um, and we were able to have you know a huge cuddle. And I think I almost passed out a little bit um, for a little bit after she was born because I was just so exhausted. Um, And all I remember is my mum coming in with this big pot of bone broth and ginger fried rice and I ate all of that and I felt like a new woman um, and and we were, you know, a family of three. Um, after that, though, you know, with King Eddie's, the husband's not allowed to stay so we ended up um, separating that night and I was home, I'm sorry, I was at the hospital on my own with Mika and that was a bit overwhelming. Um, so I definitely make sure you prepare for that mentally um, but come the next day we were discharged and able to come home. Um, but I definitely feel that, you know, that turn of events that happened for us was um, what made that experience so lovely for us. You know, I definitely that panic state that I got into at the birthing centre was not where I wanted the the journey to be. Um, and being able to be nice and calm and centred and um, and feeling like, we were ready was definitely the part of the birth that I remember the most. So, yeah, Yeah. so that's her birth story. (laughs) However, there were definitely lots of lessons learnt um, from that birth that led us to the second birth as well, Um, which, you know, which meant that there were were times in that birth that I can definitely pinpoint and say, you know, this is where um, the plan changed a little bit. Um, and you know, next time around, what can we do to, to try and change that? Um, so those were the things that we did for the second birth, um, you know, things like not wanting to know where we were at in terms of cervical dilation um (laughs) that was definitely a crucial point for us yeah Um, Yeah,
0: I think that's really important because like you said it can be so disheartening and and really it it doesn't
2: mean too much no it doesn't and definitely the primal behavior of the mum probably tells you more information um like look all I really wanted to know was that she was okay um and if I had really known that she was okay um then I you know, I'm not sure, but maybe I would have been able to um, just continue doing what I was doing and not mm. become so panicked. So that's definitely something that we did the second time around. I didn't really have a VE the second time around. Um, and definitely, you know, staying at home and being really comfortable at home. The progression was much faster, um, which we definitely saw the second time round how the whole thing took six hours as opposed to the first, which was 36 hours. Um, mm. And then a lot of positioning is what I kind of took away from that is, you know, when you see certain behaviours with your surges to definitely um, not think that, there's nothing you can do and be, you know, I guess a passive passenger and in, um, in the progression of the labour. There's definitely lots of things that you can do um, to get things to to progress. Um, so those were certainly things that we used to in the second birth. However, you can't you can't learn those lessons unless you've done it the first time, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, what about as well? Something I thought
0: of when you were telling the story is. You said that the midwives asked you if you wanted an epidural. If they hadn't have asked you, how do you think it would have gone? Would you, do you, I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously so hard to know. The only reason why I ask is because I'm obviously pregnant at the moment and I've been Mm. doing a um, hospital transfer plan just in case for whatever reason I end up having to transfer to a hospital. So I've got something there. And one thing I've written down is, um, do do not ask me if I want an epidural. I know that it's an option. I will ask if I, I want to tell it. you. Yes,
2: yeah. absolutely. I love that. Um, look, you know, when you when you dangle a carrot, there's probably a high chance that you'll take it, right? Um yeah. I look, I, I definitely feel like at that point I was Oh, I feel like I was searching for an out, um, and certainly being offered that, of course, I was going to take it. Um, it was definitely in the back of my mind, um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, I, I think you are right. Um, you know, just not having it, I guess, put in front of you may mm-hmm. prevent you from reaching for it. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I, yeah who, I don't who knows know. really. But it, it's definitely think, something to put in your knows. birth plan. I certainly would be doing that the next time round too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a friend
1: of mine, she um, birth at the birth centre also, and she got into quite, I don't want to go into her story because it's hers, you know, but I know that when she was relaying it to me, she got into quite a panic state. Like she was very scared. Um, And she was asking to be transferred. She was asking for an epidural, but they wouldn't do it. I don't know if it was maybe too long. So she ended up birthing um, without an epidural, like on all fours sort of in the, in the birth center. And, you know, he needed to be taken upstairs because like there was a breathing issue. Anyway, you know, there's a point where you don't want it to be a traumatic experience for the mother or the child or anyone. So Yeah, it's like a fine line sometimes. Like, he wishes they had this? Yeah,
2: that's that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there is a difference of asking for an epidural when you're in active labour as opposed to asking for it in transition. Yeah. Um, Because we know that we ask for some crazy things in transition. Oh, oh, yeah. Um,
0: even, Even with my second
2: at home, I was yelling at my husband for an epidural. I was like, take me to hospital. And I was probably, you know, seconds away from, from birthing Maya, um, and he's like, look, do you want to have yeah. this baby on Power Street or do you want to have it at home? <laughs> yeah. um, so I, so yeah. I guess it depends on, you know, the behaviour of mum as well, but certainly listening to the wishes of mum and, you know, making sure that the experience yeah. is feels safe for her is important. Yeah, safe? absolutely. Um, yeah. No. Really yeah. Like you that. know, look, my story yeah, is probably that. pretty common um, for most first-time mums, um, you know, attending mm. births now as, as a doula and seeing a very similar story unfold very often, um, you know, just the the time that it takes for the first bub to um, to feel ready to come out and, you know, being unsure of what um, active labour feels like versus, you know, transition and, and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, making sure that you can really hold space for mum in her first birth and make her feel um, like it's all going to be okay, you know, sometimes requires an epidural um, and that's okay, that's absolutely okay um, as long as she's given all the options and she's made that decision for herself um, out of a place of wanting it rather than out of a place of fear. I think mm. that's super important too. Totally.
1: So, yeah. so important.
2: Really well said. So yeah, so um second time round I think I definitely think that um I I did reflect back on Mika's birth during the labor. Um and I you know, I kept thinking, you know, I could ask for a VE now, I could ask for an epidural now, and let's just hold off. Um, because I know that baby is safe and I know that baby's okay. Um and and that I think mm-hmm. is what got me through the next time. So um, you know, ooh, I definitely hear that some people, through their um, second or subsequent births, can relive some of the um, some of the things that happened the first time round. Um, so again, I feel like that that positive experience the first time round is so important because um, it does tend to play out for multiple births too down the down the road. Mm-hmm. So for for us, that was yeah, it. yeah, absolutely. Or, you know,
1: regroup from it and reflect yeah on so yeah you can move past those little fears so when you did you birth at home I did Sampage? yes or yeah oh great yeah so you were just like okay I'm gonna do it at home now give that a go so that's right well I thought
2: you know I've, um I've done all this pregnancy training now I'm now a doula I've now done everything yes. under the sun um if if I can't do yeah. it now or if I if I don't choose to do it now then um then I don't think I'll ever be more prepared than I am right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's nothing more <laughs> yeah. I could possibly do. So um, that it, it felt really right and it felt really safe. Um, and it was, and it was amazing. Yeah. Oh,
0: so good. So, so good. Um, so I will ask you, which is something that I ask everybody who comes on the show, what, advice would you give to a pregnant mama now who is wanting to you know have a positive birthing
2: experience cool um there's lots yeah. <laughs> um definitely <laughs> the first thing would be to um I guess just know that there is a lot that you can do to um to I guess push your pregnancy journey and your birthing journey the way that you want it to. Um, you know, so if there's an issue with baby positioning, if there's an issue with um, any fears, if there's an issue with anything that might pop up, um, definitely know what your options are to do things um, for yourself, things like, you know, optimal maternal positioning, spinning babies, getting adjusted. Um, there are lots of things that you can do to make sure that um, you give yourself the best chance. Um, and then super, super importantly is definitely addressing any underlying fears you might have um, and exploring why why you're fearful of those things. Um, say if it's a fear of, I get this all the time, fear of tearing, um, fear of epidurals, fear of um, hemorrhage, all those sorts of things, um, is definitely writing them down, working out what the worst case scenario is and why you're scared of it, and then working out what... Um, you can do if that scenario was to arise what can you do um, to make sure that everything is safe and positive positive? Um, and once you can see that path then those things are no longer fearful for you and then burn them <laughs> and and let it go you know so you're, you're going into the birth in a place of um, of I guess trusted knowing that your body was designed to do what it's meant to do um, and whatever path your your birth takes that it's all going to be okay um And you've got some tools in your belt to to help yourself along as well. Yeah,
1: and you touched on that, you know, you had some really great
2: midwives. Would you say, did you have a doula? No, I didn't have one for my first birth. birth? Yeah, I just had um, the birthing center midwives for the first one and my husband. and and my friend Andrea who's been with me for both births so Andrea is from the wellness women wellness woman radio um, and she um, has definitely been been my rock through my pregnancies too um, the second time round I ended up having my husband Andrea and a doula um, and then the two midwives from CMP Um I remember being in the birthing pool and I literally had, I think, five pairs of hands on me um, as Maya was coming out. And it was like the most amazing thing. I know some women probably wouldn't like that, but um, I loved it and it was amazing. Um, I felt like it kind of, a little bit like Captain Planet, it kind of gave me that power to, um, to push on. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, I would definitely be be getting a, um, a doula if I was to have any, any more. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a nice assistant, yes. you know, and and obviously yourself as a doula, um, just loving on the woman, yes, supporting them if they need that. So yeah. it's like having it's
2: your own easy, little, I think, yeah. personal cheerleader, um, which is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and it's so different yeah. to having a male partner there, a, a husband, because the, the energy is so different from from a woman, from a feminine. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say that birth is really women's business and that men should yes. be there. And yeah. I kind of do tend to agree a little bit with that, even though I do love having having yeah. my husband be part of my journey. Um, yeah, so I think there's something quite special about having that that feminine energy with you um, yeah absolutely balance I guess the the male that's there and you know I think for some men it can be great especially those who are really good at holding space but um, for others it's probably quite confronting really to be in that position where they um, are witnessing the person that they love going through this and not being able to help or do anything because that's such a massive part of the masculine right wanting to protect and save and uh, and, and fix yeah and absolutely they and they can't do that so I think yeah having a doula or, or not even it doesn't have to be a doula just a woman who who is able to hold that space is super important
2: yeah absolutely it's I mean it's yeah. a tough gig for the for the men, isn't it <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, yeah, they have it so hard. No. <laughs> um, look, I definitely think that, um, I guess, in birth prep, giving the dads, and I and I run, you know, um, birth prep classes for dads as well, because I think giving them something to do where they can help mum kind of fills that bucket for them because I feel like um, a lot of men, you know, yeah. in that protective, um, I can't see, the, you know, the woman that I love in pain, um, in that state, they they tend to be like, are you sure you don't want an epidural? You know, yeah. are you sure Is there's nothing else? that we can do for you um so giving them some hands-on things that they can do that can be helpful.
0: yeah totally they need yeah, um, uh, yeah sorry really. they need purpose and that's another part of the healthy masculine where they need to have a purpose and when they have that it can be you know it's like that one you know they have the one track mind thing and they just need to have something in their head okay this is what I'm doing and um like you said like mm. there when they they can, if they see their, their partner in this pain, try to come up with all these solutions, one of them, which could be an epidural to try and help fix the situation. And it's something that um, I've heard uh, Rhea Dempsey as like, then it's like the crisis of confidence in the woman because – they're looking the woman when she's in her most most vulnerable is looking for the weakest link in the room and more often than not it is her partner because he wants to fix it and she looks to him and she's like you know give me something and he says okay I think do you you want an epidural and then straight away she's gonna go yes okay I've been waiting for someone to to tell me to offer it to me and she'll latch on to it so think knowing all of that stuff before is important or having Hello. someone else there like a doula. Hello. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I think I fell off yeah, there. Yeah, I know.
2: I know for
0: oh. sure. Oh. That's <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was just rambling on. That was just rambling. Oh, I love
2: your rambles. <laughs> oh. <It was>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh. Yeah. No,
1: I, I know I remember with um, Ross, like you said, obviously they look for the weakest link, but – he was so calm because my midwife and my doula mm, were so calm. Mm. So he did look to them as well for, like, is everything cool? And, you know, it was just amazing. Afterwards, he was like, would you do it again? Because, <laughs> like, obviously it's quite intense. And I was like, yeah, I would. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: but I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I think if, um, if, if dad can see around him that, that everybody is is chilled and everybody is safe then he's less likely to yeah. panic hopefully totally totally yeah. and that's why it's
0: so important your birth team is so important as well um, yeah
2: for sure yeah and yeah. Um, so tell us where we oh. can find you oh so um you can find me at wild chiropractic in Shanton Park. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram um, just under Kinda Hamilton, I think it is, or Dr. Karna Hamilton. Um, and I run lots of workshops for pregnant people, pregnant women um, and their partners. Um, and, you know, we like to change it up a little bit. I also do a chocolate appreciation club for pregnant mamas um, to, to boost their oxytocin, oh. whatever it takes. Um, but yeah, I would love to to connect with with some more women and hear more stories and um and support more women. That's kind of the, the goal of the sisterhood, right? Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Um, oh well, thank Oh, thanks so much, much, much for having I me. It was definitely yeah, a challenge trying to um lessons. to retrace the steps of that birth. Um, yes. and try not to make everyone confused because, you know, 36 hours itinerary is a lot. Is a lot. <laughs> my gosh. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's but really still wonderful. Is. It doesn't
2: matter how long it takes. It's still wonderful. Yeah, I like that. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, and ladies.
0: Enjoy your day. Will thank do.
2: You, you too. See you later. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: thanks for listening to the hey mama podcast if you're enjoying the show please share it with friends and follow our social media pages to keep up to date with the latest episodes we hope you're having a beautiful day mama